Looking at the earth from afar, you realize it is too small for conflict and just big enough for cooperation. The Interplanetary Podcast. The exploration of space for the benefit of all mankind. Your hosts here in London, Matthew Russell and Jamie Franklin. Do 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 space. Oh yeah, baby space. Matt, it's good to see you. How are you? Um, very well, thank you very much. Are, are we both a little bit tired, Jamie? We're a little bit tired, but um, I'm going to the mountains tomorrow, so I'm really excited. Whereabouts in the mountains? I'm going to the Swiss Alps. Oh, nice. But for a change, there's going to be no snow, Matt. It's going to be green. There's going to be probably mountain bikers doing tricks. I'll probably join them, but they'll say, you know, no professional. Will there still be cuckoo clocks? Cuckoo clock. What's um, What are the stereotypes of Switzerland? Cuckoo clocks, chocolate, chocolate and, and staying out of wars. Yeah and, yeah, and Swiss Army knives. Swiss Army knives, yeah, that's true. Um, so I'm very excited. White How about, chocolate. What about you, Matt? I'm going to be working all week. Oh. Jamie. I'll bring yes. you back some chocolates. Thank then. you. Yes, if you can do a conscious effort to think about me. I will always do that. Now, Matt, what's been happening in the world of space this week? Uh, what has been happening in the world of space? Well, we've got the big one, haven't we? We've got the big one today. Unfortunately, we're recording this on a Monday because Jamie's off to Switzerland. We're very prepared. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, we're, this is, yes, it's Solkovsky's birthday today, by the way, the inventor of the rocket equation. Oh, happy birthday, yeah, Happy mate. birthday. Uh, but, uh, no, yeah, so the big news is uh, Elon Musk is about, any hour now, is about to announce who is going to the moon and why on his BFR. Now, what are your suspicions? Are we thinking these are two... They can't be two random members of the public. Who's it going to be? It's Matt and Jamie of the Interplanetary Podcast. We are dropping the bomb. We, we, hopefully, oh. we, hopefully this podcast will be out after Elon's made the announcement. But yeah, thanks to our patron Which reminds me, I need, support. To, I need to pack. <laughs> well, thanks to our patron support. We've uh, afforded the tickets. Yeah, I mean, it was expensive, but guys, thank you. It's going to be worth it. Imagine, imagine how good our report is going to be from the BFR. Well, I think that everyone's on that cliffhanger. Yeah, Elon said that we can do a weekly podcast as we go around the moon. Well, exactly. It's the spa- it's, it's the gas station of the galaxy that we're going that to. That was the deal breaker, in fact. We had to negotiate long and hard for that. We did. Jamie, especially hard. Well, guys, we wish... Of course, we we're don't yanking. Know. We don't know. So I tell we're you what, yanking your chain. Jamie and I are going to go for a meal, and if we have time, we're going to uh, drop it in. Yeah, we're drop so it in just in case some of you, for some bizarre eagerly reason, eagerly awaiting. But Matt, didn't find in, out. In, in all seriousness, like, what are your suspicions of, of who this is? It, it's uh, didn't Elon Musk drop a hint that it was a Japanese businessman? Really, Japanese I, businessman. I did not know that. Yeah, so it could be the head of Roland. It could be. Yeah, absolutely could be, Mister Miki. Mr. Meeky. Well, I tell you what, that would be exciting. Um, so I guess we'll find out. Mm-hmm. Did you know that uh, Hayabusa 2, talking of the J- Japanese, mm. uh, looks like it's going to attempt to land one of its little rovers on oh. uh, on Ryugu? I love little rovers. And I love big rovers, but I love rovers. I love the Rover 75. <laughs> But let's not go there again. No, no, let's not do that. Uh, so yeah, it's gonna this week. It's gonna attempt dropping one of its little rovers off. Now, what will this tell them? Is this just going to be an experiment uh, for 
what's on that asteroid or is this going to be going further into the mining? Oh, I don't know. Once they've done it, let's do a deep dive. Let's do a deep dive and maybe, Matt, let's try and work out how much this asteroid is worth. This is episode 99. I hope you're aware of this. I am aware of it. (laughs) I think everyone is. Everyone's aware of this. So, yes, it'll probably be episode 101. We'll retouch them. Yeah. Oh, we could do... For episode 101, we could do things that you want to be put into Room 101, Space Room okay, 101. that's a good idea. We're definitely going to do that. Matt, if I said to you, autumnal equinox, I would, what would you say about I would say, that's correct, Jamie. It's coming up on the 22nd of 22nd. September. I like to keep focused with my space calendar. Mm-hmm. Good. Delta 2, that was in the news. It was the final flight. And awesome pictures by last week's guest, John Krause. That's exactly right. And um, it launched ISAT-2, which is another of these, like Aeolus. Yes. The ESA mission. It's another laser-firing mission that can measure ice shelves to within the width of a pencil. That blows my mind. It is a bit incredible, isn't it? Wow. From space. Humans are pretty clever. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you know what the space word of the week is? Go on. Spacesuit. It's not the hardest word to. I think everyone knows what a spacesuit is, right? They do. But Matt, how did this come about? We had a meeting on Twitter, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, we. Yeah, we. We had a little. You. Well, you. You wanted to do it, didn't you? I really. I really wanted to do. You this. got excited about the picture of the SpaceX helmet being three D printed. Yeah. And you said, Matt, we got to do a spacesuit dive. It had to be done, and I didn't know Matt was gonna. Um, didn't know that he was going to get it all ready in time for this episode. Yeah, not only that, yeah, we, we, it would hold on to your seat. He only said it last night and I went deep diving in a space suit. So please, guys, put your suit on. And here we Relax. go. Relax. We're going to go, go Space Suit 101. <whistles> I suppose we should have left that for episode 101, but anyway. It's okay. We can do this well, now. So, Matt, three types of space suit exist. Mm-hmm. For different purposes, can you tell me about number one, which is the IVA? What do you mean, the intravehicular activity suit? That's exactly what I mean. (laughs) Well, that is the sort of suit that you would wear inside a pressurised spacecraft. Uh, They're lighter and more comfortable than your traditional spacesuit. And, for example, it's really a safety feature. And it actually, one of the reasons why they ever came into existence was because of the Soyuz uh, people that died uh, in that return oh, Soyuz yes. that we talked about a few weeks ago. Um, yeah, that they they died because yeah there was a, some valve that got mm. that didn't work, and they all uh, suffocated to death. So, but they wouldn't have done that had they been wearing a spacesuit. Well, it's another example of a disaster forging the way for a better system. Mm-hmm. This is actually going to happen again with the uh, with with the space shuttle. So, Matt, so, yeah. number two, EVA. So, the EVA, the extravehicular activity suit. Uh-huh. So, Matt, these spacesuits are meant for outside use, uh, such as the Gemini uh, G4C suit, Uh, They all include more protection from the harsh conditions of space, such as protection from micrometeorites and extreme temperature change, which, as we know, has to have a lot of protection. IEVA stands for what? Oh, well, that's got to be intra. 
extravehicular activity. I think that is actually, I think the Gemini G4C was an IEVA suit. Mm. So you can use it inside and outside. Multi-purpose. Multi-purpose, but they, I don't think they're that common anymore. Four different designs of a space suit, really. Yeah. You've got your soft suits, uh-huh. which are mostly made of fabrics, but even your soft suits have got some hard parts. Hard shell suits, what do you think they are? So they are made of metal or composite materials and do not use fabric for joints. Everything is hard, so there's no kind of flexibility in the suit. Right. Um, and the joints maintain a constant volume of air internally and do not have any counterforce. Therefore, the astronaut does not need to exert to hold the suit in any position. Hard suits, therefore, can also operate at higher pressures. See, Matt, this is interesting because obviously one thing that you hear about when people are on EVAs mm. is how tiring it is just to move, just to turn a bolt. And so if you don't have to hold your arm up, that the suit can almost do that for you, mm. then that's a really big deal. Yeah, so maybe these hard shell suits are better that, but of course they're cumbersome and bulky. Yes, they are. Um, but the AX5, which is a NASA research suit, Hmm. has a flexibility rating of 95%, which means that you can move around and get into 95% of the positions that you could have done if you were totally naked. That's a high rating of Karma Sutra. That is. So you could literally do yeah. any yoga position. You could position. do the crab, but you couldn't do the lotus, for instance. Yeah, but not far off from the lotus. You're only 5% away. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there we go. So, yeah, I, I, there's a really funny term called alligator head that astronauts coin, where you can't, the helmet of the spacesuit doesn't move, so you can't move your head without moving your entire body like an alligator. Have you ever done the alligator head at home? I don't know what number know it... in the karma suit that, that is, but, um, <laughs> but yeah. okay. And so, then, of course, then of course you've got your hybrid suits. Well, I was just going to say, a mix of both, right? Yeah. Hybrid suits have hard shell parts and fabric parts. Uh, EMU uses a fiberglass hard upper torso and fabric limbs, for instance. Virtually all workable spacesuit designs incorporate hard components. EMU, which we'll get onto in a minute, is the spacesuit. It's the one that you think about. It's the one that Tim Pete used for his spacewalk. Mm. Obviously, EMU is an extravehicular type spacesuit. You wouldn't use it inside. Do we know what EMU crop? stands for? Or yeah, you already said yeah. That? Uh, EMU, the extravehicular mobility unit. There we go. So it's clearly an extravehicular uh, spacesuit, but it's it's it is the one. So normally, when you talk when people talk about spacesuits, they are talking about the EMU, right? Uh, which has just been around for absolutely ages. It's the but, mainstay. Yeah, so it's the mainstay. Now the ones that are possibly the coolest. Of the space here we go this is what we've been waiting for our space activity suits or sas's and matt these are skin tight am i yeah, right they are skin tight so they're kind of like a an elastic body body stocking that compresses the body because one of the problems with going out into space of course is you've got no atmosphere pushing down like we've got hundreds of miles of that well 80 miles of atmosphere pushing mm. down on us yes at, in all directions if that goes away, then you expand. And we should be talking about that in the space fact of the week. So, apparently, there's no real difference between male and female suits. Female astronauts obviously require smaller sizes on the whole. And me. 
Uh, so a spacesuit weighs approximately 280 pounds on the ground. A lot of these facts are going to relate to the EMU, by the way, because putting on a spacesuit like the EMU takes 45 minutes. That's a long time, yeah. isn't it? You have to have a lot of help. Yeah, and that's but that is also putting on your undergarments, which we'll get on into in a minute. They keep you cool. <laughs> undergarments. Um, undergarments. Were you born in 1845? No. Well, they are called undergarments, and we'll see in a minute okay. why. Yeah. No, I'm just not. This is. I'm using Deep technical reading, jargon. Granddad. <laughs> After putting on the spacesuit to adapt to lower pressures maintained in the suit, the astronaut must spend more than an hour breathing pure oxygen before going outside the pressurised module. Wow. Okay, so the reason that spacesuits are white is because white reflects heat in space, as it does here on Earth. Temperature in direct sunlight in space can be more than 275 degrees Fahrenheit. So a spacesuit includes about 14 layers of materials, some of them orthofabric, aluminionized mylar, neoprene-coated nylon, dacron, urethane-coated nylon, tricot, nylon, spandex, stainless steel, and many high-strength composite materials. And also... I love this bit. Yeah, there's a thin layer of gold on the helmet's visor that fends off the dangerous effects of solar radiation because gold happens to be a very good reflector of infrared light. This is turning very Kanye now, isn't it? Yeah. Lots of bling. Lots of bling. The shuttle spacesuit was designed to be made of many interchangeable parts to accommodate the large number of astronauts with widely varying body sizes. Because your mm. standard spacesuit costs $12 million. Wait, can you just, can you repeat that? The standard spacesuit costs $12 million. You did hear that correctly. Yeah, and and it, they they normally to develop a spacesuit costs about five hundred million dollars. I mean, it's a it's a shock. But then, if you think about that, this is what's protecting the astronauts from dying, <laughs> yeah. literally being ripped into space and eaten up. Um, I guess it's uh, very important to put the money where the mouth is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Here's my favourite bit, though. Putting on a space suit is called donning, a very another old-fashioned term. Like I'm that. just going off to don my undergarments. See, that is very old-fashioned, yes. And then removing your undergarments, I'm just coming over to doff my undergarments. Doffing. Hence, doff my cap to you, sir. That's correct, well, Jamie. There we go. There we go. Um, in your spacesuit, you've got to be able to handle about 70 to 110 tools. God, that's so, that's, so, yeah. Absolutely nuts. Spacesuits actually originated from normal flight pressure suits okay. from uh, aircraft. And there is a line that once you fly above it in the atmosphere, the atmospheric pressure gets so low that water boils at the normal temperature of the human body. And, of course, that's a... That's a pretty disastrous time, and you you simply can't survive once you go over that limit. And that's only at 18 to 19 kilometres above the Earth's surface, above sea level. God, that's nuts. So, yeah, so it was quite early on they had to develop um, these flight pressure suits. Mm. Now, the, that point is known as the Armstrong Line. But weirdly, it's not Neil Armstrong that they're talking about, oh. but a US Air Force general, Harry George Armstrong, who discovered the phenomena. Well, the minute you said Armstrong, I did think of yeah. Neil. 
Yeah, no, but it's got nothing to do with Neil. It's another Armstrong. Neil, take a seat. Now, here's where we get a little bit proud, Jamie. Here we go. Because the first design of a spacesuit for working on the moon was by a chap called H.E. Ross. And it was illustrated... Remember I was talking about that brilliant book that I managed to nab? I do remember. By R.A. Smith uh-huh. of the British Interplanetary Society. Oh, wow. And, and it's considered, you know, pretty much one of the very, very, very first proper studies into, into spacesuit. One design. of our very own. Yeah, so that was 1950 from a 1949 uh, study. And you can actually buy that episode of the Journal of the British Interplanetary Society. Can you? Volume 9, number 1, pages 23 to 37. You can buy it from the British Interplanetary Society website. So you can actually buy the proper study Matt, I think in, the J- in, in JBIS. And the Americans had a guy called Siegfried Hansen uh-huh. uh, at Lytton Industries. And he was the first to uh, actually design and build a working hard shell suit. So that is the predecessor of all the NASA spacesuits. Got it. So who was the first person to wear a spacesuit? And we had his quote right at the beginning of the show. Well, it's it's the one, the only Yuri Gagarin in 1961. And what was the name of the spacesuit? SK2. No. Tits. Yeah, well, well yeah, SK2 is for tits, bizarrely. <laughs> Um, uh, Oh, it was the SK-1. The SK-1, yes. The SK-2 was designed for women. Got it. And you know the everyday astronaut? Astronaut. So you know the everyday astronaut? Yes. The thing that he wears is very similar to the Yuri Gagarin SK-1. I now need to go and Google image all of these spacesuits oh, and yeah. see what they like. Oh, can that, we, can we do that? Can we do like an evolution Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, in the they notes. Must be out yeah, no. no, I'll do it in the notes. I'll put them in the notes. Well, we've got to add the 3D printed one now. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, we're going to go through the list of all the... We're going to have a little rundown of the most important spacesuits ever. But first of all, what do you need what in a space does a spacesuit need? need? Shoot. It needs stable internal pressure. Right? SIP. 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 Low pressure allows for greater mobility, but requires the suit occupant to breathe pure oxygen for a time before going into this lower pressure so that you don't get the bends. Oh, yes. Uh, but, yeah, so you need, but you need that pressure. What else do you need? You also, Matt, need mobility, of course. <laughs> Movement is typically opposed by the pressure of the suit. So mobility is achieved by careful joint design. Mm-hmm. You need a supply of breathable oxygen and probably even more important, the elimination of carbon dioxide. So early on, you could have done this via the spacecraft itself. But nowadays, the spacesuit has a portable life support system called the PLSS. Absolutely. And now let's talk about, I mean, Matt, this is a big one, temperature regulation. Mm-hmm. No convection heat transfer to the atmosphere in space, only by thermal radiation or conduction to objects in physical contact with the exterior of the suit. Since the temperature of the outside of the suit varies greatly between sunlight and shadow, the suit is heavily insulated and air temperature is maintained at a comfortable level. Advanced suits better regulate the astronaut's temperature with a 
liquid cooling and ventilation garment. I mean, Matt, we refer to this as the LCVG, as you know. Well, exactly. I'm going to don my LCVG right now. I will doff to your... <coughs> uh, and, of course, you need a communication system. Uh-huh. Uh, and, again, that can either be connected directly to the spaceship or... Uh, to a comms thing in the PLSS. Matt, do you reckon that they're hooking up their Bluetooth or it's probably more advanced than that? It's probably, it? mm, I don't know. I, no, they probably have it hardwired. I think, it's hard, I think it's hardwired, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just going straight to the uh, Ethernet. Yeah, I should imagine they use UHF. You know, you see lots of pictures of the Apollo uh, astronauts with their communication caps on. Yes. They make them look a little bit like Snoopy because of the black and white colouring. And they are, in fact, known as Snoopy Caps. I never knew that. Yeah. Now I do. Now, here's the grim bit. Oh, you're going to talk about pooing, aren't you? Yeah. The means of collecting and containing solid and liquid bodily waste. So, are we talking about a big nappy? We are. Or a maximum absorbency garment. That sounds better. Yeah. Well, in America, of course, they'll be called diapers. But in Britain, we call them nappies. It wouldn't look so good when they do those live streams of an EVA, would it? If you suddenly saw their nappy, the the a brown liquid going towards the visor. Oh, now the <laughs> the worst thing about this is remember we talked about um, we talked about Apollo eight, uh -huh. and one of the grimmest bits is is the poo that was sort of floating around the I spaceship. Remember. Yeah. One of the problems was is they they used to have in those days because they were on. So remember that we haven't really had long duration missions where the astronauts have had to sort of uh, be in a spacesuit for a long period of time. Yes. Whereas they did in the Apollo era, so they actually had an integrated toilet in the, I remember. In the suit. Yes. Uh, now for men, it's quite easy for the wee. You mm. have what's known as a sort of condom catheter. Oof. So it sort of I wasn't slip, ready for that. It slips on like a condom. Let me demonstrate, Jamie. <laughs> Put it away, please. Matt, and, is it cold out? And uh, but uh, yeah, the poo one's a bit harder. Very very challenging to change this. Now, of course, with Orion, we we've got the same thing now. We, we we're going to be expecting astronauts to spend days in their spacesuits, uh, but we don't have just men to contend with now they want to they'll want to be sending women mm -hmm. and of course women come with a whole heap of new problems 2016 nasa did announce the space poop challenge okay. uh, to try and come up with some fresh ideas but i don't think they got any but uh, the women problems of course is you've got a you've got the problems of and i'm going to put this in inverted commas the geometry of their body right yes i.e they don't have like a external organ poking out that you can stick a condom over. Correct. Which means, of course, then you've got all problems with pubic hair and not... And actually, there's also the problems with, with the menstrual cycle as well. Absolutely. So uh, NASA's engineers did patent a urine collection device for women in 1981, but it's never been used. Oh. Uh, and they consider asking the astronauts to remove pubic hair and go on uh, birth control pills is beyond what they can reasonably ask of its astronauts. So they're still actually yeah. working on that problem. And the Orion spacesuits are the first to sort of come back to this problem of, of sorting out the business end 
literally of a spacesuit. Well, more updates to follow in the coming weeks. Mm-hmm. So then you've got your advanced uh, features of your spacesuit, uh, and that's shielding against ultraviolet, ra- ultraviolet radiation. It is. It's also limited shielding against particle radiation. Yeah, so that's your high-energy particles being kicked out of supernovas, etc. I mean, this that's... stuff happens. Yeah, which smashes its way through anything. So really, you can't stop it, but you can probably slightly minimise it. Uh uh, but one of the most important things is, is a way to actually manoeuvre and dock and release and tether onto spacecraft. Mm. That's obviously a really important thing. What else? Also, protection against small micrometeoroids, as we heard earlier. Yeah, yeah. Some travelling, Matt, up to 27,000 kilometres per hour, mm. provided by a puncture-resistant thermal micrometeoroid garment. A PRTMG. Absolutely. You know the score. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is the outermost layer of the suit. Experience has shown the greatest chance of exposure occurs near the gravitational field of the moon or a planet. So these were first employed on the Apollo lunar EVA suits, Matt. Mm. So, yeah, they're, they're essentially bulletproof, mm. those, those space suits. Uh, the other really important thing is minimising dust. Mm. So the dust that sort of collects on the outside of a spacesuit, you want to kind of minimise that. So when astronauts are doing EVAs on planets like the Moon and Mars, what you don't want them to do is have all the dust sticking to their suit and them keep and bringing, hey, Matt, bringing them back into the environment. I watched um, a little video with Chris Hadfield saying that when he goes back into the spacecraft after an EVA and then the, you get pressurised, and then you can smell. What do you think it smells like? Isn't it? Isn't it? Barbecue he said it smells like barbecue. It smells like burnt steak. Yeah, burnt steak. Yeah. So there we go. Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? But yet on a planet, it could be really bad for you that dust. Mm. So that so they actually try and mean that that the space suits themselves are kind of dust repellent. Well, here's one for you, Matt. Can you tell me about pressure? Yeah. What's the pressure going on. This is funny. There seems to be two numbers that crop up here. So 32.4 kilopascals or 4.7 pounds per square inch. Hmm. That's the pressure they put it at if it's a pure oxygen environment to compensate for the lack of CO2 and water vapour. And there's a thing called the alveolar pressure equation. Sounds painful. Yeah. Basically, you have to get it to the right pressure so that the lungs actually work. Hmm. That's important. uh, Which is pretty important. So... That you have to get it to that higher pressure if you're in pure oxygen because because there's no water and CO2 in there. Mm. It, it kind of you have to alter it. But other suits use a lower three psi or twenty point seven kilopascals, which although that it's much lower oxygen, it's it's just like working at altitude. So it's not a problem. You can still work properly. Uh, but if you use those low pressure suits when you're in a pressurized spacecraft like the space shuttle. You've got to do this pre-breathing of oxygen for hours for for a few hours. Baby's got the bends. Oh, oh no. yeah. Oh, is it? Oh no. Well, I don't think anyone would say oh yeah, would they? After getting the bends. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go. Let's go on to the list of awesome spacesuits. You ready? Let's do it. So, you have the Russian series. Which is the original Yuri Gagarin, oh, the SK, the, and I love the the fact it was orange. It's orange. I love an orange space it's orange. suit. Yep, yeah, reminds yeah. me of um, mm-hmm. Skywalker. Yeah, no, absolutely. That type of space suit, the orange ones, are your uh, int- intra vehicle space suits. Yes, because it might be that you get lost in the tundra or somewhere like that, and they you need to be spotted. If you're going to be in and around Hoth, 
Mm -hmm. in, let's say, 1982, was it, Matt? Mm -hmm. Empire Strikes Back? Probably. Then, you know, you need the right protection. Absolutely. An orange spacesuit fits the bill. Fits the bill. Now, Matt, let's go on to what is probably my favourite, the Golden Eagle. The Golden Eagle, or the Birkut, is Alexei Leonov's, uh, of course, who performed the first spacewalk. He did. That is a kind of white colour, I believe, and uh, the reason why it's white, as we've explained, is because of heat control. Mm. Then you've got the Hawk, or the Yastreb. Notice that all the uh, Russian spacesuits are named after birds. I quite like it. Yeah, I do like it. Do you reckon we'll ever get the Robin? <laughs> and remember we talked about Yevgeny Krunov uh -huh. a couple of weeks ago on episode 97, I think it was. Yeah. Well, he, he wore the hawk to do his uh, exchange between Soyuz 4 and Soyuz 5 in 1969. Then what have we got? Well, here's another good one. It's the Kretschit 94. The Gear Falcon. That's their lunar walking suit. Right. So that's the equivalent of the American ones that you saw Buzz, Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong in. What about the Swift, Matt? The Swift or the Strich is was the brown sort of brownish space I remember, suit that I uh, that was made for the Buran space shuttle. So never really worn. And now we've got the Sokol, the Sokol, or, or the, the Falcon. Falcon. Is it Falcon, Matt? Falcon, yeah, it's the Falcon. It's the Falcon, it's white and blue. Or Falcon. The Falcon. Let's go with Falcon. But that is, yeah, white and blue, and of course that's the one that everyone wears when they're going up in the Soyuz, up to yes. the space station. So the Sokol is a, an IVA. You wouldn't, you wouldn't dream Definitely not. about going outside in it, doing no, an no, EVA no. in it. So that's, that's been in use since Soyuz 12... So that's 1973 to now. Yeah, get this. They wow. didn't. They didn't use any pressurized suits, uh, any pressure suits from Soyuz like one up to twelve until that hideous disaster. Yeah, that's crazy. So, uh, so yes, that's been in use well, since Matt, 1973. Now is coming. I'm going to change my favourite. I, I did say it was the Golden Eagle. It's the Orlan or Sea Eagle. Yeah. So that's the sandy coloured one that the you see the Russians doing their EVAs on the. Uh, Space mm -hmm. station, and that's been used since 1977. What about? Let's hop over, Matt, yep. to the USA. USA. So yeah, the Navy Mark IV, which is, which I think is my favourite spacesuit. Go on, silver, the Ooh, silver, beautiful Project Mercury spacesuits, high altitude vacuum suit used for project mercury 61 to 63 yeah it's the silver ones are the ones that rock now matt the gemini spacesuits what have we got well they're they're white i think on on the whole and you've got the g3c the g4c and the g5c yeah the g5c was worn by the gemini 7 crew for 14 days so yeah that's a big nappy that's a big nappy Matt, what about Apollo slash Skylab? Yeah, so the Apollo slash Skylab A7L EVA moon suits. They also white. white. Yeah, they were white. They are a variation on the original Apollo 1, which, of course, they had to change the garment design uh, because the three Apollo 1 astronauts that died in the Apollo 1 fire... Mm. Uh, yeah, they, they changed the design to uh, put in a fireproof beta cloth. Absolutely. Uh, and the shuttle ejection escape suit. Wow, Matt, this is gold. So, yeah, the shuttle ejection escape suit, gold. So that's the one that was worn by John Young when yes. he flew STS-1. 
and they were used from STS-1 to STS-4 when they still had the ejection seats in there. <laughs> I love that. Uh, uh, but uh, they didn't wear them once the shuttle had become certified. All right. Now, what about the shuttle flight suit with an oxygen helmet? Yeah, so from STF, STS-5, 1982, to STS-25, 1986, again, they didn't wear pressure suits. Mm. Because the space shuttle had been certified, why do we need a, a, a pressure suit? And these were the blue, the blue spacesuits. Crazy thinking back, how dangerous it just was. That, see, that is pretty. Yeah, it's amazing actually. Uh, then after the Challenger disaster, they thought actually, yeah, this is a bad idea. Mm. It, it's not a perfect design. So they introduced the launch entry suit, which went back to what what back color? Back to orange. Back to orange. Big fan. Uh, and that's been used from 1988 to 1998. Uh, then the probably the most iconic of the shuttle spacesuits. What is, are you going to talk about? The advanced crew escape suit, aka Aces. Yeah, the space shuttle was putting the Aces back into spaces. Matt, I don't want to know about this unless it's full pressure. It is a full pressure suit. It was a slightly improved version of the launch entry suit, and also used a little bit of the SR-71 Blackbird. Suit design as well. Blackbird, fly. I didn't realise that song was about SR seventy one. It was, yeah. yeah, nice. About spying, and then they were thinking of upgrading Aces to Maces uh, as, a, as an EVA suit. We don't have to talk much about the actual EVA suit that they use, the extra vehicular mobility unit or EMU. We know all about that. We know all about that, and of course that is being used from 1982 right up until the present day. Now, Matt, here's an interesting one. What about the personal rescue enclosure? Oh, my God. rescue ball? <laughs> this is, quite frankly, my favourite thing ever. So this was a rescue ball, quite literally a ball that was essentially a spacesuit or really a spacecraft, and it was designed so if there was a terrible disaster, you could fly a space shuttle up and get crew from one shuttle over to the other in these balls. Wow. So if there wasn't enough spacesuits, it, it could literally, you could just... You could just jump in You could jump in the ball and be carried across over to the to the other spacesuit. So it's kind of like a little mini uh, spacecraft. I love that, a little escape pod. Yeah, 36-inch ball in, in <laughs> diameter. I'll say nothing. Hey, Matt, we can't not talk about yeah. SpaceX. So drink, drink. So SpaceX spacesuit. Don't know too much about it, even though there's been some pretty close-up pictures quite recently. By again, everyday astronauts got some fantastic pictures when he was there. Yeah. With Lauren Grush as well was that's that, true. That that, uh, that and they got some pretty good, interesting pictures. Um, and of course, it's been into space. The on the mannequin that went on. That's correct. On Falcon Heavy, however, it is an IVA. That should be. It should be emphasised. Had the mannequin been in a SpaceX suit, it wouldn't really last very long. No, it wouldn't. On an EVA like it is doing. Correct. And an enormous amount of work has gone into it. And as I said before, it normally costs NASA about half a billion dollars mm. to develop a spacesuit. So it's not. A ridiculously small undertaking, but the interesting thing, which which I've almost forgotten about, was that Jose Fernandez, of superhero costume design and right. designer of the Daft Punk helmet, no way, he he helped design that makes the sense. look the look of the space. Very cool, yeah. 
So he helped design the look of those SpaceX uh, things. A lot of effort has obviously gone into to, into the look, but also it's pretty much th completely 3D printed, which means that it's been able to directly integrate vowels, uh, complex mechanisms for visor retraction, microphones, and air cooling channels, all 3D printed into the internal structure of the helmet. So it may look sleek and simple on the outside, but it's extremely complicated on the inside. Um, so, yeah, a huge amount of effort has gone into that. It's kind of just like me, Matt, isn't it? Like, looking at me, you'd think I'm quite simple. Mm. But internally, I'm very complicated. But when you, yeah, I? when you listen to you on the yeah. on the podcast, we can tell how what a complicated man you are. People think, I, yeah, people. Some people call me the complex character. <laughs> no, I think they say you've got a complex. Oh, one of the sort of really hard challenges of the spacesuit was to make sure that all the sort of external connections, because this is an IVA suit, you, it's actually plugged into the Dragon. So we're talking about power, water, and air. Yeah. And a few other things that need to be connected directly to the spacecraft. So mm. the, there's one connection point, which is really cool. So uh, the astronaut doesn't have to worry about several different connections like you do on the so-called spacesuit. There's quite a few. Yeah, is there a tube where they can drink? I mean, just do they have? Yeah, like there is. Water there is. There is. And... There is a little water pouch that we don't actually know too much details about the space uh, X spacesuit at yeah. all. Uh, but it should it should have like a sort of little water supply. I'm hoping that there'll also be a snack valve, Matt, hmm. with a, the that spits out jelly beans, jelly beans or cookies, like, like yeah. we're eating right now. Yeah. So it all goes back to one point, which is this little flap on the thigh yes. of the of the spacesuit, the right thigh. So it's just one connection point, which is pretty cool. You should be able to work even if the space craft in interior is exposed to the hard vacuum of space yeah so it should still work but we're not quite sure how far that goes because there's we still don't have the full details one interesting thing that a reddit reader noticed is the american flag faces backwards on the shoulder so if you look at some of the pictures there's an, a backwards american flag on one of the shoulders of oh, the spacesuit, that. and that's so that when you can see it, you can see the orientation of the spaceman. Ah, uh, uh, yep. Yeah. And um, you get into the spacesuit through an inseam all the way around. So you, it's it's basically like a giant onesie. This whole spacesuit is a I giant onesie. I, I totally want a SpaceX. It's not my favorite. It's not my favorite on this list, though. No, I mean no, it's no Sea Eagle. It's no seat. No, it's my favourite. But favorite. it is good. It's my favourite of that lot. And of course, we've got the Boeing Starliner spacesuits, which uh -huh. are blue. They were revealed uh, at the beginning of So this last one year. provides greater pressurised mobility and is about, Matt, 40% lighter than the previous suits. Yeah, so that's, so that's what the astronauts will use in the Starliner space uh, craft rather than the Dragon. And the suit's got a soft, hood-like soft helmet. <laughs> Come on. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> we've had some hard lines to say over the years hey matt we should speak about orion <laughs> we haven't yet have we yeah no we did we did mention it oh bringing the integrated <laughs> toilet back to the suit oh uh, where are we Inter so yes the orion crew survival system suits or the ocsss yes have introduced integrated toilets. Well, I like that. Um, but Matt, let's shift over to China. Okay, you do it. Shenzhou IVA spacesuit, mm. uh, first worn by Yang Lui on Shenzhou 5. 
the first manned Chinese spaceflight. It closely resembles Sokol KV-2 suit, but is believed to be a Chinese-made version rather than the actual Russian suit itself. Yeah, the Shenzhou is an IVA, and the Haiying is their EVA suit, which is which is an imported Russian Orland suit that's obviously been probably adapted slightly by the Chinese. And then we've got the Phaetian. Is that how you pronounce it, Matt? Yeah, I guess so. Or the Phaetian. The Phaetian. Phaetian. Oh, I don't know. Someone will tell me. Uh, But Matt, this is a uh, new generation EVA spacesuit. Indigenously developed Chinese-made EVA suit, also used for the Shenzhou 7 mission. Um, Chinese astronauts have been training in the out-of-capsule spacesuits since July 2007, and movements are seriously restricted in the suits, with a mass of more than 110 kilograms each. So this, Jamie, is the future of spacesuits. Here we go. Hit me with it. And this is my favourite one. My favourite spacesuit is the MIT, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, biosuit. Ooh. So that is the experimental spacesuit that's going back to this whole idea of instead of having a bulky pressure suit, mm-hmm. you just literally have this, yeah, kind of like a... Uh, a Like a skin suit, but more advanced. Yeah, so like a, a, a shrink wrap of a spacesuit, just like you get on Star Trek and things like that. Yeah. It's going to act like a sort of second skin. But do you know how they do it? No. So they do it using things like memory metal. So they're using a nickel-titanium-shaped memory alloy so that when you can kind of put the suit on, then apply a bit of electricity to it, and it shrinks back down. Yeah, and so you can take it... Because one of the problems with with that type of space activity suit is getting in and out of a sort of skin-tight suit that's got lots of pressure. You know, it's, it's like you know how hard it is to get rubber gloves on. Oh, Imagine, do I ever. Well, actually, you you should you know what it's like to put on those massive latex, the black latex suits. Yeah. So how cool is that? And that, I've got a quote here. It says, with conventional spacesuits, you're essentially in a balloon of gas that's providing you with the necessary one-third of an atmosphere to keep you alive in the vacuum of space, said Dava Newman, who works at MIT. We want to achieve that same pressurization, but through mechanical counter-pressure, applying the pressure directly to the skin, thus avoiding the gas pressure altogether. We combine, combine passive elastics with active materials. Ultimately, the big advantage is mobility and a very lightweight suit for planetary exploration. So yeah, you just need this pressure suit. And yeah, the, the actual this memory metal is able to uh, activate and 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 help with the pressure, but it's also really even pressure. So take a look at the designs of the MIT bio. Oh, it's suit. just beautiful, and that's really amazing because obviously it's such a restriction for when you're outside of the spacecraft. Yeah. Just moving around is really really tiring. You hear you hear stories of of the amount of um, injuries and and how much you know your your hands can bleed. But if you can have a suit that's just like a second skin, mm-hmm. perfect. Yeah, so you plug it into the... Sp- I mean, this is the bit I love. You plug it into the spacecraft's power supply that triggers the coils to contract and essentially shrink wrap around the body of, of the astronaut. Matt, I hope it doesn't go wrong. What a way to go. Oh, yeah, that'd be quite nasty. But I'm it? guessing, you know, some of the money's been put into research. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that that's the one I want to use. 
It's All so right. much less bulky. So we're asking you to um, send us some money so Matt can get his nickel titanium shape memory suit. My bio suit. Uh, there's, there's a few other NASA designs. Uh, there's the Final Frontier design, or FFD, which are making an IVA space suit. And they're supposed to be a lot lighter weight than the NASA current NASA ones and a lot cheaper. Mm-hmm. Uh, the iSuit, which is constructed by a company called ILC Dover, which is basically an improvement over the EMU. Dover in the UK, Matt? No, it's not. Oh, it's an American, for... um, American company. It gets round the EMU problem by having a slightly softer upper torso. The Mark III yeah. is uh, another mass, uh, NASA prototype constructed by ILC Dover, which incorporates a hard lower torso section and a mix of soft and hard components. But the way that it does the pressure means that you don't have to do this annoying long pre-breathe. Right. Because that makes the EVA time. It takes two hours to prepare for EVA mm. at least. Yeah, they need with to this speed pre-breathe. that up, don't they? So, yeah, you get rid of that. NASA's prototype exploration suit, or the PXS, is known as the Z-Series. Those Z-Series pictures are hilarious because they, they look kind of ridiculous because they're such hard shell suits. Right. So they do look a little bit like a sort of... Like fifties sci-fi oh. thing, so they're they're very very funny. They they kind of I think there was a backlash to the way that the Z series space suits looked, and that's why Elon Musk really wanted to have like the, the sleek look. He did, but the sleek look is the IVA type suit, uh-huh. whereas the Z series ones were designed for moving around on Mars, that kind of thing. Exactly. So. Yeah, there we go. And the latest addition to all of this is India, who've been showing off their spacesuit that they say they're going to be using in 2022 oh. in an announcement made by the Prime Minister Narendra Modi, uh, who uh, yeah made a surprise announcement that India will join the great powers in space by conducting its first crewed mission by 2022, and they've built their own spacesuits for that. That's that really re- exciting. That's really cool. Get it? in there, India. Well done. So they've apparently built two and they need a third one for the three-man mission. There we go. We'll build the third. And just to finish it all off, Jamie. Go on. Goop, Gwyneth yeah. Paltrow's awful oh, website Christ. of utter useless things yeah. did actually get fined. <laughs> Good. Because they sold stickers. Stickers. Can you believe this? That were made with NASA spacesuit material and could rebalance your energy and reduce anxiety. But NASA said it doesn't use the conductive carbon material that Goop was referring to in its spacesuits at all. What a surprise. (laughs) Um, So, (sighs) Goop, let me rebalance something for you. It's my foot (laughs) up your ass. I mean, just ridiculous. Thank God it's just being ridiculed. Now we've had all this chat about spacesuits, Jamie. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you want a space fact? Hell yeah. A space fact about space exposure. What happens when you don't wear a spacesuit, Jamie? What happens? It's not going to be pretty, is it, Matt? (laughs) It's not going to be pretty. Let's start the ball rolling. Despite some contrary depictions in some popular science fiction, the human body can briefly survive the hard vacuum of space unprotected. I said briefly. Yeah. I think it's about 15 seconds. Right. This is the funny bit. So human flesh expands, as we've, as we've explained, with yeah. the pressure suit. 
uh, and it goes to twice its size. So, uh, which gives the visual effect of a bodybuilder rather than that of an overfilled balloon. So, Matt, do me a favour. If I ever am in space without space, quickly take, take a, a picture. Take a quick selfie, and you'd pull a face for my profile picture. I'll pull a roid face, and then we're out. Yeah, what would be hideous is just exposing one bit of your body to to uh, space yeah. and watch it expand to twice its size. I know which. Um, <laughs> so, Matt, consciousness is retained for up to 15 seconds as the effects of oxygen starvation set in. Oof. So, 15 seconds, you're a bit compass, and then that's it. That's game it. over. It's probably game over. So, uh, well, you're unconscious, but not dead. Uh so there's no freezing because as we've as you discussed about the uh, about like the heat loss of, of spacesuits there's actually no uh, convection away from you there's no atmosphere to take the heat away from mm. you so you don't actually freeze and your blood does not boil because your skin itself is pressurizing your body mm. so the skin itself is is like the skin suit of an SAS suit. Correct. It, it, it's squeezing you down. So you, your blood does not boil. However, here's the bad news. Oh, God, I knew there'd be some. So you've got these highly energised subatomic p- protons. Yes, I have. <laughs> that will be smashing into your DNA and smashing it to bits. Oof. Temperatures from solar radi- radiation can reach up to 250 degrees Fahrenheit and can lower down to minus 387 degrees Fahrenheit. Matt, that, do you realise how cold that is? Well, I'm going to put it into, into more European terms. Go I'd on. say that's like a top temperature of 121 degrees centigrade. Yeah. So quite a bit over boiling. Yeah. And uh, minus 233 degrees centigrade, which is getting down to unbelievably cold. Well, freezing is zero. <laughs> so, uh, yes. Yes, it's, it's colder than you'll ever be on Earth. So, yeah, that, that's, that's nasty. Do you know what the greatest danger is, though? Mm-hmm. Attempting to hold your breath before exposure as the ex- subsequent explosion decompression can damage the lungs. And they've actually demonstrated that effect in accidents that have happened in uh, high-altitude conditions. Oh, God. Or, so if you're about to be thrown training. out of a spacesuit, don't go... <gasps> don't breathe in. Yeah. You have to breathe out. That, that's probably the only thing you can do, is breathe out. Shut your eyes and breathe out. Yeah. Get, get rid of any exposed... Just get it out. So human skin doesn't need to be protected from the vacuum of space because, of course, it's actually gas-tight itself. Mm -hmm. Instead, it only needs to be mechanically compressed to retain its normal shape. The MIT... Bio suit. Bio I'm going to buy it. That's what I'm, I'm gonna, literally off. I'm going to buy a bio suit. To buy one. Yeah. I'm Where'd you get one? Bio suit. I wonder if you can get it from the MIT gift shop. I might actually ask them. So they'll probably give us a discount because we've given such a shout out. Yeah. Good old MIT. Yeah. What have you learned about space suits this well, week? Well, I have absolutely loved that. Um, but Matt, if I've enjoyed this podcast and I want to, <laughs> I want to do something about my enjoyment. What would you recommend? I would recommend that you bought a ticket for next week's 100th episode. Tick. In fact, you don't have to buy it. You just have to book Free. it. Free. Then uh, go to the interplanetary.org.uk website. Tick. 
everything on there. Everything on there. There's a little link to including, the including including Patreon page. Matt, what's a Patreon page? Patreon page is where if you've enjoyed the show, you, tick tick, you can go and say, "Gosh, them 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 London boys, they were really hard. I'm gonna maybe donate some money. They're doing all this for free. <laughs> I gotta help them out." And boy, will it help us out. Oh, I tell you what, it really will. Um, so thank you to our lovely Patreons. And also, for the people who go onto iTunes and give us a lovely review, I mean, it means, Matt, that people have better access to the visibility of the podcast. We just want to expand That's into right. space. That's right. Uh, the, the iTunes um, uh, nice reviews do... Do us very, very well. So, if there's one thing you, you know, you don't want to donate money. That's that's absolutely fine. This will always be free. We do it for the love of it. But a nice little thank you on on iTunes by giving us a nice five star review would be great. It. We're not doing this for us. We're doing this for the good of mankind, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, for the for the benefit of all mankind. One small step for podcasts is a giant one giant leap for mankind. Good. Thanks. Do you know he fluffed his lines, Matt? Yeah. He said that. Well, yeah, because it's not quite right, is yeah. it? One still small step for, for a, a man. man. But he said man, yeah. meaning mankind. Oh, Neil. I mean, what would, why would he fluff such a line? It's not as if he had anything big going Ooh, on at the time. Talk about Neil Armstrong. Oh, yeah. We're going to go watch the movie, aren't we, together? Yes, we're very excited about this, aren't we? Yeah, I think we should do a live to the Discord channel yes. review as we walk out. First Man, it's called, Matt. First Man. It's so, called yes. First Man. So Jamie We will be I... reviewing First Man in theatres October the 12th if they want to send us some free tickets. Yeah, do it. It's been emotional, guys. I hope you've learned something. I know I have. Um, but what I've learned is that I think we should just look after each other. And I don't want anyone's skin to expand, Matt. No, I want... I want Yuri Gagarin to be a beacon of hope. And let's listen to his words once more. Here we go. Looking at the earth from afar, you realise it is too small for conflict and just big enough for cooperation. Good night, everyone. Bye-bye, Spodcats. See you up.